Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the Women in League show, episode 11. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business tonight. It's just me and Tash. Uh, but Tasha, again, you know, it's been a little bit of time now. We've, we've let the dust settle on round two of the NRLW, but uh, another cracking round of football. And uh, yeah, take us behind the scenes there. Um, did some more commentary. Uh, got to see some, yeah, really impressive performances. Yeah, it was amazing, the triple header again today, Dan. Like, we saw 15 tries um, in round one, and then in round two, there were 15 tries scored before even the last game under very slippery and difficult conditions. So cracking display of skill and tenacity, strength and power from all the girls in all the teams. Tash, that, that was kind of my prediction coming into the year. You know, my, you know, I, I, I try not to be that that hot take uh, uh, analyst, but one of my big things, I, I thought there'd be more points in this competition, and I still believe that. It's just obviously we're fighting the elements. So, so to your point, if we can ever get a dry track, I, I think we've got a little bit of an insight into what potentially can happen, and um, as these combinations start to come together as well, I think we're going to be in for a pretty um, historic final series, that's for sure. All right, Tash, reflecting on round two, got a listener question for you, and they want to know what was your favourite try uh, from round two of the NRLW competition? Yeah, my favourite try. I'm giving a little bit of love to your fellas there, the uh, Newcastle Knights. It's uh, Jamie Frassard's try. She is such a live wire. She's small in stature, but she's got loads of guts and enthusiasm, and you can just see that for the full 70 minutes. Her never-say-die attitude allowed her to run, you know, over 60 metres for the try with, you know, the speedsters in the Broncos' back line trying to catch her. And it was just sheer determination that got her over that line. So I just loved it. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment for tonight, All Ball. Every franchise has had tons of great players and legendary personalities, but who stands out above the rest? If I can influence people positively, then yeah, my work here is done. Yeah, and one of our favourite moments of the week is bringing you our all-ball player in focus uh, segment. And this week we have another very, very special guest. We'd like to welcome Meg Ward to the show. Meg, great to have you here. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. No, it, it's it's great to chat and we don't waste any time. Time is valuable here. Let's get into it because we want to know all things Meg and uh, I guess share your story. Take us all the way back and I guess my first question is what is your sort of first sporting memory? Take us all the way back. Yeah, so um, me as a kid, I actually grew up playing soccer, football. Um, that was my sport. I played every sport actually. Um, if, when I think about sport as a kid, I picture like mum and dad like rushing around, rushing from work to pick Meg up, to take her to tennis, to take her to swimming, to take her back to cricket, to drop her off at soccer overnight. Like I just played everything. I loved everything and I played it all. And um, I was very, very lucky to have two very supportive parents, um, mum and dad, that just followed me and um, took me wherever I wanted to go, whatever I wanted to do. So I was very lucky. But um 
yeah, soccer was was my main sport growing up um, as a kid, and I loved it. Um, yeah. Waddy, you mentioned your family, your mum and dad driving you everywhere. This enthusiasm, this athleticism, this incredibly sporty being that you are, it, it didn't come from nowhere. So is there anyone in your family that maybe excelled in some sport or, or encouraged it? Where did it come from? It definitely wasn't mum. I love it. <laughs> I laugh when I say this. We all laugh. She was not the sporty one. She sometimes picked up a footy and went to or kicked the soccer ball back to me and it would end up going 30 metres the other way. So she was definitely not the athletic one. It was my dad. Dad was um, quite athletic. He played a bit of um, Oztag. His claim to fame is playing for Australia in the Oztag over New Zealand. So he um, just loved, loved playing footy. He played union, so he's a bit of a union nut, um, but also grew up um, loving league and, and watching league. So, um, yeah, I actually think my dad and Izzy Kelly's dad played a little bit of footy or played against each other back in the day. Um, but, yeah, so he, he was definitely the sporty one that I got it from. He calls me his little boy. I'm the bo- He had three girls and he, I'm the boy he always wanted. <laughs> awesome story. Now tell me, he's, he's a bit of a rugby fan, uh, very successful yep. in, in the uh, touch footy, as he said, representing Australia. Oztag, was it? Representing Oztag. Australia. Yep. Um, did he try to steer you more towards the 15-a-side code rather than 13? No, I think that's the best thing that I love about dad. He's always just like, whatever it is that I wanted to do, he's like, oh, yeah, you can do that. And like, and then all of a sudden he rings me like the next day being like, all right, now I've watched, I've gone on and I've watched 20 games from the last 20 games that the girls have played and this is how they play league. This And he literally, so I actually started playing union um, back in the day. Um, I think I was about 19, 20 and I went over and tried a bit of sevens and a bit of union, had no idea, like, when you talk union and you talk about in the ruck and all the rules and stuff around the ruck, I just had zero idea. And then dad sits down at the table. All right, Meg, we're going to sit down with the salt and pepper and we're going to go through how this is going to work and we're going to talk about the ruck. He just broke it all down. So, yeah, dad's always been so supportive um, in, in everything and anything that I wanted to do. So I'm, I'm very lucky. No, that's, uh, that's pretty special. And, I, you know, I'd love to be a fly on the wall in those salt and pepper strategic uh, <laughs> breakdown of, of the game. And I guess, Meg, well, what's really interesting to talk about too, you know, when, when we speak to players is about their career and, you know, a lot of their professional work. And, you know, a lot of the times it's pretty disconnected to the game of rugby league. But, you know, for yourself, it kind of really helped you to kind of, I, I guess, start your rugby league journey. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I um, was very lucky like to have the um, start that I did um, and be able to play um, a fair bit of like rep sport growing up. Um, so it definitely helped me um, when I did start playing rugby league. Um, I had that sort of mindset of all like the winning. I've always grown up like competitive and, and want to be a winner and um, that definitely helps and, and it has helped me through my rugby league career, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and tell us about your, your career, where you moved into. You um, got a bit of a defence background and, and again, um, it kind of connected you into the rugby league pathways. Yeah, so I didn't really, I, Dad will tell you, I had a gap year, which was he hated it. It was just pretty much me on the couch for a year, um, living off mum and dad, feeding me and looking after me. Um, then it was probably time for me to get a job and start setting my life up. So I wanted to be a firefighter. So I applied for defence and for civvy and defence just came through so fast. Um, so I just rolled with it and, and went along and became a um, RAF firefighter. 
got posted up to um, Tyndall, which is about three hours outside of Darwin, um, and stayed there for um, 18 months. And, and while I was there, I had just a mate come up to me. I was going a bit stir crazy. Not You grow up with so much sport and I didn't have anything. Um, so I was going a bit stir crazy. And a mate came up and said, oh, there's some footy trials in town. You should go along and check it out and see how you go. Like I'm sure like you'd, you'd have a bit of skill. Um, so I went along um, and then as I was walking up to sign up, the lady said to me, are you here for 13s or 15s? I said, oh, I was here for Opens. They said, oh, it was last week. You've just missed it, but you can have a run around and if you um, are any good, like we'll let the coach up north in Darwin know. Um, so I smashed a few 13-year-olds <laughs> and all up into <laughs> women's Titans team and, yeah, and then it just sort of all took off from there. It's been crazy whirlwind ever since. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk about your remarkable career and how, I guess, comfortable you are playing rugby league, I guess, now. But, yeah, take us back to some of those early days. How was it, you know, learning the game? Because, obviously, we have a lot of younger listeners who are sort of on that journey themselves, you know, just fighting rugby league, you know, down there in their early training sessions. Um, Yeah, I I, I guess reflect back on some of those early years and trying to learn the game. Yeah, I remember I was quite... Um, lucky that I did grow up um, in such a sporty environment that I loved watching the NRL and the state of origin. So I knew all the rules. I used to, my family, we lived out at a place called Sanford and we'd go watch the Sanford Stags on a Friday night, like go watch all the boys play footy. So I was, I was in a very footy um, household. We loved any kind of sport. Um, so I knew the rules and things, but I still had a lot to learn. I remember my first ever um I walked into the Jillaroos camp. Oh, it was down in New South Wales um, and I got flown down from Darwin and I was the only Darwin girl in this New South Wales camp um, and I, I was absolutely petrified. But um, everyone was so lovely um, and, I yeah, I just sort of took in and just took the experience more to just have fun. I, I didn't really have pressure on myself at the time because it was I'd played one tournament, um, had no idea how to play footy and was just rocking up to be like, far out, I can't believe this is I'm in a... Jillaroo's camp in New South Wales after I'd only just started a month ago. It was crazy. And then, yeah, and then so it's just been a whirlwind since that. Well, you're a natural talent and, I, and I'm sure the Jillaroo's recognise that. But it's so important to get the correct technique down, you know, when, when, you, when you're tackling someone. So I imagine if you were never actually taught that before you play your first game, you're a bit of a lunatic. I imagine you just bring him to the ground the best way you knew how. But but who actually gave you those great techniques to bring down those those bigger players? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's so important. Our techniques massive, and we were so fortunate that 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 back then I was involved um, in the um, twenty or thirty um, elite squad. Um, so I was involved. Um, in that for about two years um, and Jamie Feeney and Brad Donald they were huge Karen Murphy um, they were all incredible at helping me develop my game I was just a youngster that had just walked in no idea and they really took me under their wing and really helped me develop as a player so I think without those camps and without that help I definitely would have struggled but um, it, it comes down to you too um, as a player as a youngster wanting to go out and find some help if that's what you need with your technique and stuff. So I definitely went out and was asking lots of questions and really searching for the help that I needed. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely, definitely important. And Megan, I was going to, I guess my next question was, was asking about your big breakthrough. I guess, you know, when you sort of reflect back and you really think about what was the, 
what was the one tournament, the one moment, the one game, you know, whether it was whether you had a good performance, but what was it for you? If you look back on some of those early years, what was the moment that you really, that really sort of kicked things off and I, I guess led to something pretty special, um, you know, in, in Brisbane, which we'll get to shortly. Yeah, so it all probably started back to when I made that NT Titans team up in Darwin. Um, we went down and played in the CAS tournament in Adelaide. Um, and I I'd played one game of footy, I think, prior to that for the Northern Territory Sharks. So when I made that um, Titans team, it was literally just I was thinking how good, a few days off work, go play a bit of footy with some mates that I'd met in Darwin and um, have a bit of a holiday. I'd never been to Adelaide, so what an opportunity to go to Adelaide and have a bit of fun with some girls and didn't know I had no idea about um, – I knew about the Australian team. I'd watched a little bit. There was a test match played earlier that year that I'd watched on TV, um, but I never, ever pictured myself being at that level. Um, I just thought I was just there for a bit of fun and, and play the game, play a bit of sport, how good. Um, went down to Adelaide, um, just had a really good tournament with the girls. We had a lot of fun. The Titans team um, actually – Played pretty well that year and um, the girls had a great time. And then uh, probably the moment that um, I'll never forget, um, I cherish forever, is in that um, when we were doing the medals and everything at the end um, with all the teams in the room, um, Brad Donald actually called me up um, as player of the tournament, which I was not expecting at all. I was, I think that just in that tournament alone, I played like lock, fullback, half, hooker. Center. I think I played at nearly every position in the team because they had no idea what to do with me. And I had no idea. I was honestly just a headless chicken running around trying to get my hands on the footy as much as I could. Um, yeah, and he called me out and then he offered me the opportunity to go along to that Jillaroos camp. Um, and then that's kind of where it all took off for me um, from that moment. So that's, that's a moment with my Northern Territory family that I'll always cherish and, and be forever grateful for. I love that uh, utility value, that's for sure. All right, Meg, let's talk about, you know, I, I guess one of the, you know, one of uh, the most impressive years uh, of your career. And let's throw it all the way back to 2018. And Meg, in your own words, um, this is pretty special stuff. Obviously, it was the inaugural NRLW season. Um, yeah, talk to us about your journey there with Brisbane. And, uh, you know, it, it obviously goes down in history, um, obviously being the first season. But it, it really is special, uh, certainly when you when you look at where the game is now and, and where it's potentially going to be in 10 years' time. Um, yeah, pretty special stuff, Meg. Yeah, it's crazy. Again, like Brisbane Broncos, I grew up in Brisbane, so that was my team that I followed. Um, never did I picture um, that they would have a women's team or that I would even play for them um, in the inaugural cup. I still get angry just thinking about um, the women's game and like what they've been able to achieve, what – Tasha and um, Tani Norris and Karen Murphy, Steph Hancock, Renee, all those girls fought for so long just to be seen. And they they really led the way and, and set that pathway for us girls to now have this opportunity. And I just think um, we're just so fortunate, so lucky um, to be um, where we are and where we're going to. But, um, yeah, being in that inaugural one meant so much because I knew what the girls had gone through to get there. I'd heard so many of their stories and it just um, really, really hit me, hit, hit close to home. So to be there, I just felt really special and it felt like we were kind of doing it for them um, and what they'd been through. So it was a really, really special moment. Meg, that's so nicely put and, and thank you. But tell me, tell me that first moment when you step into camp 
for the Brisbane Broncos, like it's very different from playing, you know, park footy or just, you know, lower club level footy. So can you just tell me about the, the difference in the standards even back in 2018 and they've even improved since? Yeah, 100%. It's that professional environment. It's that once you get to training, your head switched on. What's your job? What have you got to do? I've got to do my prehab, my um, see the physio, get strapped, whatever it is, you just get in, get that job done. Um, and then next, we're in the gym. So what are we doing in the gym? Like, let's concentrate on our weights, make sure our lifting technique's right. It's not just kind of going in the gym and throwing some weight around. Everything's done properly with someone there watching you, supervising you, making sure it's all done um, correctly, which is, um, again, amazing that we've got that opportunity to be professional or semi-professional. Um, and then you straight out onto the field, get out, get the job done, get back in, recovery. Um, it's just, it's really professional. And, and I love where the women's game going. We've still got a long way to go. Um, but it's exciting to see. We started back there. We were lucky. We had Paulie Dwyer and Scotty Prince, Fletch Holmes, um, Mickey Hancock. Um, we were so lucky to have such a good coaching staff that really set the standards from that first year. Pretty much showed us what professional footy is like and the mentality you need to have. And then the Broncos girls have just taken that on and taken it from year to year. Meg, I remember um, quite a few years back, Brad Donald uh, invited me into the camp with you girls. And I, um, I remember like you girls were handing over your um, urine samples and my head went to, oh, my God, they're being drug tested. Like, but no, 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 that's that professional. They're checking your hydration levels. Like, it's amazing. You've got a person just in charge of your well-being. Like, I think it's fabulous, all the support that you girls are, are getting there now. How far do you think it will be until you can sort of, well, let's face it, can you go professional? How long can that be? I think we're so close. Like we've got the opportunities um, where um, the money's coming in now. No, it's not the money we need to be able to quit our jobs. And I think that's the thing we're finding at the moment that's probably the hardest. Again, I'm very fortunate um, with having the defence, but there's so many girls out there that um, are even like I'm living in a we call it the Gwynny gang, the Gwynny household here um, down in Wollongong, but the girls are still having to work and then come straight from their work to training. Um, we just don't quite have enough money yet. Um, but, again, it's come so far. So I know we're nearly there. I feel like if you look back three years to where we are now, it's growing and the opportunities there, we've got two seasons this year, which, again, bumps up the money. But then it also makes it hard for those girls with their jobs because that's two seasons, that's eight months nearly where you've got to get time off work plus the World Cup plus state of origin. It's We're stuck in a really awkward period where it's like we're earning enough money if you're playing but then you need to try and maintain your jobs through that playing season into the next. But then there's a small window where we're not playing and that's when you need some money coming in where the girls don't have money coming in. Um, so we're, we're just sort of stuck in an awkward period. But I, I really do think within the next couple of years we'll be the girls will be pretty much close to full-time, hopefully on full-time contracts um, and earning the money that, that they deserve and can go professional. Yeah, most certainly, and it, and it can't come soon enough. Um, you're in a good position uh, with the defence, uh, but so many of the girls 
don't have that luxury. So we certainly feel for them and admire their commitment and their fitness and their that the skill levels that they're displaying. Obviously, you know, some some of them are juggling kids, work. You know, it's amazing what they're producing. So let's just hope that uh, we get you guys a little bit more help professionally. Yeah, and then Meg, I, I like those timeframes. I, I, I agree, a couple of years, and I, I hope we can cover the full-time salaries for everyone in the squad, and then you, you think football's good at the moment. <laughs> you wait you wait until uh, until, the, until that occurs, that's for sure. Um, Meg, uh, 2018, pretty special, obviously, as you spoke about getting into the Brisbane Broncos camp. Um, you know, But, you know, one of the pinnacles of our game is uh, state of origin football. Uh, many of us would just absolutely die just to be in the stands to watch a game, let alone pull on the jersey. Talk to us about it because, uh, yeah, 28, we're going to get through to some of, your, some of your success in the NRLW, but, uh, yeah, let's just touch on your origin career there. Uh, again, another special moment for yourself. Yeah, so that was incredible. I kind of did it all backwards. So I did um, Gillaroos. I made the World Cup um, 2017 and then went into the state of origin um, 2018. And that was, again, like, on the back of the World Cup, that was another moment where I was just like, this is insane. I can't believe I'm here. I grew up watching State of Origin. You know, State of Origin week was like Wednesday, you're wearing your maroon shirt to school, um, pumped to watch the game that night, staying up till 10 o'clock at night. That was like the best thing ever as a kid, like getting to stay up past 8 o'clock watching footy. Um, But, yeah, then to be able to actually be handed a jersey, um, with state being actually called state of origin, um, which was another huge moment for women in sport and um, all the work that the past generation had done to get us to that point, being able for the first ever time that it was called state of origin to be given a Jersey um, as a Queensland Maroon was just, again, a moment that I'll cherish forever running out onto the field. The stadium was packed. The um, fire things were going off next to us. And then just that, that, that feeling of standing arm in arm next to your mate as the anthem played, it's just, yeah, I don't really know how to explain it. Yeah. Words don't mind, but it's just something, yeah. I still get tingles now just thinking about it, just talking about it. And it's so important for the growth of the women's game because, you know, one of the things that we had to sort of fight during the early years was just demonstrating the elite quality of football in the women's game. And, you know, you guys were able to demonstrate that year after year, um, certainly at the origin level, um, as well as in the NRLW. So again, you know, this is all history in the making. Meg, everyone's really interested to hear about, I guess, your future plans and some of the, you know, your recent battles. So, but before we sort of move there, we've got to reflect on you being in the history books. Meg, if someone had told you that, you know, you would have won a premiership uh, in the NRLW with the Brisbane Broncos, I, I don't know how, I don't know whether you would have told them they were joking, but what if I told you two premierships, three premierships, and then what if I told you you would have three peak? Meg, you know, what, what you guys have done there, even your own personal achievements there, I mean, you know, this is this is going to go down in history. Talk us through 2018, 2019, 2020 being in this group because it's, uh, yeah, what can I say? It's, it's pretty remarkable. Yeah, that was so special. I don't think um, any of us really predicted that we'd be able to do that. Um, but I think it comes down to, again, I kind of spoke, we're not professional yet, but that can also be a mindset. So we at the Broncos, um, they always said, like, it's kind of up to you how professional you want to be. So every training session you were rocking up 
getting all the little jobs that you had to do. We had um, all of our prehab we had to get done by a certain time. We had our weights that we had to hit and our targets that we had to achieve. And then when we were out on the field, everyone knew what their job was um, and we got in, got it done. And then it wasn't um, i got to get home because i got work tomorrow or I've got to race off um, like to pick the kids up or whatever it was. The girls just found time to get the ice bath done, five minutes in the ice bath after every session, get a meal in, and then off to do Lavinia Good would then race off to work or um, the girls would um, head home really late. Like some nights you wouldn't get home till 9.30, 10 o'clock to then wake up and they'd go to work. But that was their decision that they made that they needed to get their re- um, recovery in. They needed um, whatever it was that they needed to do to get them as ready as possible for the next game. So it was just such a professional um, environment. If the girls needed to do extra video, they got in and got extra video done. If they had extras they wanted to work on they'd find time to get to the club early or stay back late and work on the extras that they needed to work on and that came down to them they weren't being paid for those extra hours they weren't um they were probably a lot of them I know had to take time off work or cut back their hours at work so that they could get those extra hours in and they were losing money from their jobs to do that but at the end of the day, they won a premiership. So that was like the ultimate goal, you know what I mean? It's like, hey, I'm going to sacrifice five grand this month at work, but I'm going to win a premiership. So it kind of came down to that, like, what is it that you want? What do you see? If you want to win this premiership, what are we going to do to achieve it? How are we going to get there? So they just created this environment there that's um, and a culture, you know, that like we talk about culture, you've got to bring everyone together. You can have the best team in the world on paper, but if they don't come together, if they're turning on each other, it, you, they're not going to win games. They're not going to win footy. But if you have this environment where everyone gets around each other, if someone makes a mistake, you get around each other. That's like building culture, I believe, is so big to a winning team, a winning, a winning group of girls. You've got to bring them together. It's got to be about the culture on and off the field. Yeah, Meg, really well said. And and you're not the first person to talk about the, the Broncos culture that they've got. But obviously those those little extras that you stay behind and do and the way you talk so passionately about hitting those targets, et cetera, you're obviously one of those players that, that were prepared to do the extras and not let anything um, get in your way because, my friend, I was just doing a bit of homework on you and you hit the NRL um, NRLW uh, stats, which are on the NRL website, and there's your gorgeous face just in the top line. There's only three records and you're there for two of them. Do you know what they are? Oh, come on, you must. Goal kicking and points. <laughs> you betcha. And they're still there, Meg. So when are you going to get back out on the field maybe and uh, add to those? Yeah, that was a lot of extras and that wasn't even just at training. I would get there early to training to do my kicking extras. Um, but again, comes back to my dad calling me, Megzy, you got a day off. It's not training day today. When are we getting the footy field? I'll get down there. You got. We're going to go do 30 kicks and then I'd go down there and I'd do my 29 kicks and then on the 30th he'd come stand next to me and say, you're going to miss this. You're going to miss this. You're not going to be able to get it. It's the grand final. You've got to kick this to win it. And kick yeah. it, get it, 
it all came down to those extras. And um, again, like I'm so lucky to have my dad that was such a motivator for me. So a lot of those um, goal kicking um, stats or, or points or whatever it is that I got um, was a lot um, to me, obviously putting in the work, but my dad was um, really pushing me too. He loves it. And he, he was a real big supporter of helping me with that. So again, I think it comes down to you and how hard you want to work and the extras you want to do. Um, but yeah, hopefully, hopefully, um, the plan is to hopefully be back sometime this year. Um, I've got to get clearance with my neck injury, but, um, so long as that gets cleared, I, I can't wait to get back out on the field with the girls. Yeah, I'm we'll, we'll definitely, we'll definitely jump into that. Uh, definitely jump into that soon. But me, I, I just, that, that was, that was incredible insight into, you know, you see a good football team and, and you know, what, what does it take to be a good football team? What does it take to be a great football team? Meg, you've just given us insight into what it takes to be part of a dynasty. And, and to uh, Tasha's point, you should be very, very proud of yourself because you didn't just tag along and participate. You were at the front line dominating and you were a big part of all of those premierships. So uh, I guess that leads us into the next. I mean, Meg, no one would have, uh, you know, begrudged you for, you know, uh, sailing off into the distance, retired uh, with all of that success. But it has been a little bit of a challenging time for you in recent times. Uh, give our listeners a little bit of an insight into some of the battles that you have faced and um i guess yeah where where you're headed in the future yeah so rugby league contact sport um i suppose injuries are a real part of our um our game and and what we go through so i've definitely had my fair shares i've had a um, couple of knees a broken hand um i've also had a real challenge um with a chronic disease called ulcerative colitis um which has really affected me um probably the last three years um, I've been trying to manage that and then um, as well as my neck um, since 2018 I had neck surgery um, bounced back from that really well and then unfortunately the end of last year had another um, surgery um, on my neck and so I'm in the progress of bouncing back from that um, but yeah I'm definitely not done yet I'm, I'm hoping this year I'll be back out on the field. Yeah, that's the best news, knowing that we're still going to watch you play footy. But um, hats off to you, Meg, because you're out injured, but you are still inspiring um, for me to watch and certainly the team that you're involved in now. I love watching you. I love watching them listen to you. Can you tell us about your role at the moment? Yeah, I'm so grateful to be a part of footy. You know, I'm getting a bit teary. I shouldn't, but um, missing my first season was such a hard thing. Um, and, and the thought of not being involved, you know, sitting at home on the couch was going to be really hard. So for Dragons to give me this opportunity, yeah. Sorry. No, no Meg, please don't apologise. That just shows the emotion and the passion that is behind you being such a good leader to them, uh, to the Dragons. And um, for you to have that opportunity just shows another string to your bow. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not trying to retire you prematurely, but I really want you through those coaching ranks, but once you finish playing. Um, so you're mentioning you might come back, what, at the end of this year? Yeah, hopefully. That's the plan. Sorry about that. I'll be back. But, yeah, I'm just so grateful. Dragons, um that you know that I, I had to cancel my contract last year when I found out I actually had to cancel it because of my um, ulcerative colitis. 
Um, and then I ended up having to have the neck surgery. So um, they could have just kind of ripped up my contract and said, oh, that's all right, you just go recover. And then you don't hear from anyone for six months. Um, but they said, no, get down here. We'll, um, we want you to run a, like, be blue shirt, run the water for the team. We just want to get you around the girls. And, and we just want you in this club. We want you to be involved and um, we'll do, do whatever it takes to get you down here. So for them to take a chance on me like that, um, it was just so, so special and I'm so grateful. And I just want to give them all the knowledge that I've learned the past four years and um, help them as much as I can because I'm just, I just am so grateful for them for giving me this opportunity and they have the best bunch of girls there this year. The, the, the group that they've brought together and the culture that's been created there is, well, it's reflecting on the scoreboards. The girls are out there playing for each other. Um, they're, they're training really hard. They're working really hard. They're doing the extras. They're doing the ice baths. They're doing whatever it's going to take. And um, I'm just so proud of all of them and how far they've come in the preseason and, and how well they're doing the season. Um, I'm just, yeah, stoked to be a part of footy and stoked to still be involved and so grateful um, to the Dragons for giving me this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely awesome. I was just going to mention, you know, you that uh, you went through a lot. They they and to mention the dragons, the dragons are now sitting at the top of the table with your previous club Broncos. So you said that all that um, stuff that you're going through with the dragons and how they listen and how you're imparting knowledge and it's and how it's such a great group and it's showing that they're currently sitting at top of the table. So hats off. Well done. And Megan, obviously, you know, you spoke about, you know, your appreciation for that role, but I think if you spoke to anyone at the Dragons, I I think they're the winners in this, you know, getting your knowledge, your expertise, your positivity. um, You are an out and out winner. And to sort of have you there helping to build that culture there, as Tasha said, it's definitely making an impact. And, you know, Meg, we, you know, given all of your success, you know, we're talking about you as if you, uh, you know, you're a lot older than what you are. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, Meg, but still only 27 years of age. I mean, you can see some of the players in the competition who are playing. I, I think um, Steph Hancock, I think, won't mind me mentioning she's about to hit 40. So I think you've got still got a, a lot of football left uh, there, Meg, but... Uh, I think one of the things we have seen off the field is you two have a future in that coaching space if that is something you are interested in. But, uh, but Meg, look, we, we just want to uh, obviously thank you uh, for coming on and, and sharing your story, but you don't, get, uh, you don't get out of here that easy. We might uh, yeah, bring you through to uh, our rapid-fire question. So stick with us, but, uh, yeah, great to have you. Thank you so much. And I'll just throw out there, I just want to really quickly give a little shout-out to Sowie and the whole coaching crew, Lino, um, Alicia, Snakey, Anna, um, Nige, everyone, the whole crew there is just incredible. Everyone gets around each other in the coaching staff and Sowie is doing an incredible job. First year, um, yeah, just have so much respect for him. I'm learning so much from him, um, just following him around like a little shadow, but he's been awesome and he's doing an amazing job with the girls. All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment for tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and we always hit you guys with the hard questions in Rapid Fire, and it's hard because we can only pick one player. The question I've got for you is, who was the most impressive player from round two? Uh, Tash, take it away. 
Yeah, again, I'm going to give some love to um, a losing team today and that's just got to go out to Parramatta's captain, Samaima Taufa. You know, she was on the, on the losing team um, and it was under incredibly tough conditions, but she is leading her pack as captain and she is leading by example. You know, she's racked up, you know, 44 tackles in round one. She's top, topping the tackle count at, um, again in round two with hit-ups, run metres. Um, she just never goes missing. She's there the whole 70 minutes and she's always there putting a hand up to do the hard yards. Yeah, I said I could only pick one player, but I might just sort of squeeze in uh, a play. Millie Boyle, obviously, you know, there's a you know a lot of the uh, elite players that get spoken about a lot. Um, you know, we, we obviously uh, praise Millie here at Mojo, but, yeah, another 193-metre performance, one try, only in 46 minutes of work. So I'll just quickly sneak that in for Millie. But for me, uh, Brittany Braley-Nardi, um, I think what's really... Uh, great for the Gold Coast Titans franchise is that all the fans got to see her talent. And you talk about elite players. Wow, she exploded in round two, two tries, six tackle breaks, 34 tackles, and probably one of the best stats that I think the coaches will love, zero missed tackles, which I don't know uh, how that's possible, to be honest, playing in the middle against some of the best uh, forwards in the game. So, yeah, a couple of um, special performances there, but Titans, you have someone pretty special there in your squad. All right, Meg, we'll uh, we'll let you have the last say on this one. Pretty difficult just to just to single out one player, but who caught your eye in round two? Yeah, definitely. I think there was heaps of standouts this round, especially with the wet weather footy we had, but mine has to, I'm very biased, but I'm going to go to someone from my team. Um, she just, we gave her a few jobs to get done this week and she got out and got them done and LCL, but just had an absolute blinder. Um, she put in so much effort for the team. We told her what her role was for today and she just went out and absolutely annihilated her role and did it. 10 times bigger than what we expected. So um, huge wrap to Elsie. She's worked so hard in the off-season. I've seen it through the pre-season, um, getting in and doing extra off-feet session nearly every day, every second day. She's just putting in the work. And you can tell because her fitness is through the roof and um, her strength, her um, ability as, as a forward has just gone um, like up and up a level. So um, huge shout-out to Elsie. And, and she had a killer game today. Absolutely incredible. And, you know, we're a little bit far away from uh, PNG, but I think we, what we've got to remember is that is their national sport and it can't be undersold, uh, you know, the level of impact that Elsie is having, not just here, but on our international game. She's an out-and-out superstar and, uh, yeah, definitely agree with that, Meg. Unbelievable performance. All right, Meg, again, just want to thank you for joining the show. Uh, it was incredible to sit down with you. Uh, Tash and I, we've been looking forward to this one for quite a while, getting the opportunity to sit down, talk about your story, share it with with all of our listeners. Uh, again, what can we say? You're an out-and-out champion, but you still have a lot of football ahead of you. Uh, again, thank you very much for joining the show. Thanks so much for having me, guys. No, any any time, and I'm sure Tasha will be bringing you back on the mojo in no time. Uh, to my panel, uh, Tasha, just tonight, again, uh, thank you. Always bringing the heat as we talk all things rugby league. And to our listeners, well, we're only just getting started. The NRLW season, it is kicked off. Uh, we're heading into round three. We really do appreciate your support. We're watching you there on social media. It is very much appreciated. Continue to download the podcast, share with family and friends, and until next week, we'll catch you then. You have been listening to Mojo Sports. 
Thank you for your support. It is very much appreciated. The team and I are trying to build something a little different here, so everyone's support is very much appreciated. Continue to support the podcast, download, subscribe, check out our social media channels, give us a follow, and be sure to tell your friends about Australia's best-kept secret. This is Mojo Sports.